Let us pray and ask for the Lord's blessing of the preaching of his word. Heavenly Father, we come before you with thanksgiving that you have called us into your presence. We rejoice in your grace and mercy for the forgiveness of our sins for Jesus' sake. We ask now that your holy word, sharp as a two-edged sword, cut us, rearrange us, and conform us to your Son, Jesus. May the words of the mouth, my mouth, and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, for the sake of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Have you ever wondered why this nation, founded by Christians, coincidentally that's the church, has become so violent? And I'll pause here because when I wrote this I had no idea that last night in part of Baltimore that there'd be a mass shooting of 30 people. But why have we become so violent, so sexually perverted, so far from God. Many of the blessings that we enjoy today exist because as one commentator says it, he says it this way, we, that is our country, has been living off the spiritual capital of prior generations. What is the church, or more specifically, what is it that we have done to create this current pagan nation? Could what has happened in our nation, that is to say, that which is wickedly weak, connected to how God's people live and worship. As you know, we've been studying worship. We have learned that we've been created for worship, Genesis 1. We've learned that there are five parts to the Lord's Day service. The call, confession, consecration, communion, and commissioning. We find these things in Leviticus 7 and 9. Last week, we considered God's word in both his call as his chosen elect before time and his specific call to worship in his presence on the Lord's day. And those are found in Ephesians 1, Exodus 33, and Hebrews 8. Last week, we even heard from Leviticus 23, about all of the holy convocations, feasts, measured in time by the cycles of the moon and Sabbaths that God has called his people into his presence. Those are 80 days of coming into his presence every year, which brought feasting. You know, there's only one day of fasting, and that's the Day of Atonement. 80 days of coming into his presence, and one day of atonement. One day of fasting and 80 days of feasting. This single day of atonement was truly important. Without it, God's people could not approach God as a congregation. They could not bring their petitions to God, and they could not enter God's presence to make intercession for the nations. Today's text is Isaiah 1, and I'm going to read it and I want you to listen to it through the lens of what I've just said. I want you to hear it and consider what this means. Isaiah 1. The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amoz, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. 
Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for Yahweh has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people do not consider. Alas, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a brood of evildoers, children who are corruptors, they have forsaken Yahweh. They have provoked to anger the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away backward. Why should you be stricken again? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick, and the whole heart faints. From the sole of the foot, even to the head, there is no soundness in it. But wounds and bruises and putrefying sores, they have not been closed or bound up or soothed with ointment. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Strangers devour your land in your presence, and it is desolate is overthrown by strangers. So the daughter of Zion is left as a booth in a vineyard, as a hut in a garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city. Unless Yahweh of hosts had left to us a very small remnant, we would have become like Sodom. We would have been made like Gomorrah. Hear the word of Yahweh. You rulers of Sodom, Give ear to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me, says Yahweh? I have had enough of burnt offerings, of rams, and of the fat of fed cattle. I do not delight in the blood of bulls, or lambs, or goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required this from your hand? to trample my courts. Bring no more futile sacrifices. Incense is an abomination to me. The new moons, the Sabbaths, and the calling of assemblies. I cannot endure iniquity in the sacred meeting. Your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hates. They are a trouble to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rebuke the oppressor. Defend the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Come now and let us reason together, says Yahweh. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat of the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of Yahweh has spoken. How the faithful city has become a harlot. It was full of justice. Righteousness lodged in it. But now, murderers, your silver has become dross. Your wine mixed with water. Your princes are rebellious and and companions of thieves. Everyone loves bribes. 
and follow after rewards. They do not defend the fatherless, nor does the cause of the widow come before them. Therefore the Lord says, Yahweh of hosts, the mighty one of Israel, Ah, I will rid myself of my adversaries and take vengeance on my enemies. I will turn my hand against you and thoroughly purge away your dross and take away all your alloy. I will restore your judges at the first and your counselors at the beginning. Afterward, you shall be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. Zion shall be redeemed with justice and her penitence with righteousness. The destruction of transgressors and of sinners shall be together, and those who forsake Yahweh will be consumed. For they shall be ashamed of the terebinth trees which you have desired, and you shall be embarrassed because of the garden which you have chosen. For you shall be a terebinth tree whose leaf fades, and as the garden that has no water. The strong shall be as tender, and the work of it as a spark. Both will burn together, and no one will quench them. Now that's a long passage. But when we start by asking and looking at that passage through this lens, it looks a little different than maybe we first read that, or when we first read it. There's an associated verse that I want us to think of, and that is Proverbs 28, verse 13. He who covers his sin will not prosper. But whoever confesses and forsake them will have mercy. Again, Proverbs 28, 13. People of God, repentance, confession, is the doorway to God's presence. Isaiah chapter 1 speaks to the national sins of Israel, particularly to the sins of the congregation as gathered for worship. Verse 12 tells us, when you come to appear before me, who has required this from your hand to trample my courts? Who's required them to come together? God has. But then how is it that they are coming and trampling in his courts? We see that all, that this is speaking of all of God's people except a very small remnant. That's in verse 9. And they are not preserved from sin, but rather God's eternal judgment of being wiped off the face of the earth and only being spoken about as a warning to future generations. That's that whole reference to Sodom and Gomorrah. Why is Israel in such poor shape? Verse 13 tells us that that God says, Bring no more futile sacrifices and incense is an abomination to me. He goes on and says, the new moons and the Sabbaths and the calling of assemblies I cannot endure. Remember last week, we were rejoicing because God calls us and then gives us all these times to come before his presence. And here, we see in Isaiah 1, where God says, this is futile. What you're doing, this this isn't what I've asked you to do. As a matter of fact, when we don't confess our sins, when we don't repent, and we come before him and we trample in his courts, it says that God hates these things. And it's trouble to him. 
men, I will hide my eyes from you. And though you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. You remember in Leviticus 23, God instructs his called people to the new moons, the Sabbaths, and appointed feasts. Why does God now say that he is weary of them and even hates them? And why they should not bring any more futile sacrifices? Remember, futile here, this means vain. And when we studied not taking the Lord's name in vain, we learned that that word really means to carry in an empty fashion. When we come into God's house and we don't confess our sins, both as individuals and as the congregation, we are carrying the name of God in an empty fashion. Everyone who's been baptized in this room is carrying the name of God. And he will hide his eyes. Remember at the very end, when I give the blessing, and I talk about God's face shining upon you, and I look out at the crowd, you're all smiling. But if he hides his eyes from us, we cannot see his face. God wants no more worship that simply brings sin into his holy presence without being cleansed first. Verse 16 says, wash yourselves, make yourselves clean. The people of Israel had empty worship and sacrifices because they did not confess their sin before God. They had rituals, but they did not confess their sins. And God told Israel, and through his word, us today, that he does not tolerate unconfessed sin in his presence. In fact, Isaiah teaches us that if we don't confess our sins, that his discipline is for us to be pushed farther away from his presence, we become exiled. Confession is truly the doorway to his presence. Without confession, we do not enter. We do not ascend to his presence, and we do not receive his gifts of forgiveness, his gift of being conformed to his word, and he, certainly we are not brought to his table of peace. If God's people in a nation are not receiving God's gifts, how will we ever please God and be able to complete our call and commission before God and the whole world? Confession must be ongoing and immediate. One commentator tells us that sin, listen up, that sin is like an assassin. And he is trying to kill you every day. So run from it like it is something trying to kill you because it is. Sin is the cause of all death and misery in the world today. We know that Romans 6, 23 tells us, For the wages of sin of death is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Death comes from sin. In Christ, we've been delivered from the bondage of sin, and we have been raised with Christ. And we see that in Colossians 2 and Colossians 3. All of us, we do sin daily. 
We must take an account of our sin and deal with it. We've talked about this before. We must confess our sin and deal with it. And we must confess it to God and to those who we sin against. We must not leave our sin untaken care of. We must deal with it. One common sin in our midst today is simply not dealing with sin. But Hebrews 12 tells us this, Lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. We must do this daily in our lives, and also in the congregation each week. Ongoing confession of sin is necessary. It is not optional. The next verse in Hebrews 12 tells us that we cannot deliver ourselves, but we are to be looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The corporate or congregational worship services should teach all of us how to confess our sins. Our sinful natures look for every way to justify our actions, thoughts, and motivations. We cannot use any other standard other than God's Word. We must compare ourselves to Scripture. That is one of the reasons that you hear so much Scripture in our services. God alone defines all of life. We see today how living a self-defining life has become a sinful, deadly cancer within the church and therefore also our culture. We must hear God's word at church. We must read God's word at home. We must teach and speak God's word with our families and to each other so that we can identify what is right and wrong. And when we sin, we must be immediate and ongoing in repentance to God and all those that we sin against. Many times, we do not, excuse me, many times, we not only don't deal with our sin, but we delay repentance. Sometimes we try to justify our actions. I'm, I'm speaking here as one who's committed this sin here, but it's applicable to many, many of us. You say, my children did this, and so they drove me to lose my temper or to be impatient. We blame our bosses. We blame our spouses for our sin. We blame all the bad drivers on the road. People of God, we fail when we do not compare ourselves to Scripture and then confess our sins and look to Jesus for forgiveness and restoration to God and then to see others be restored to God as well. You know, we fail to realize that much of the struggles in our marriages, 
child rearing, and all other areas of our life is because we do not immediately and honestly deal with our sin. Stop holding back. Psalm 32, verse 3 says, When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. Selah. I acknowledged my sin to you, and my iniquity I have not hidden. I have said I will confess my transgressions to Yahweh, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Selah. Do not hold anything back. Let the forgiven be relieved from God's heavy hand. We see at the end of of Psalm 32, verses 10 and 11, it says this, Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he who trusts in Yahweh, mercy shall surround him. Be glad in Yahweh and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. You know, uh, one of the things here that we have to recognize is is that this plays out with our children. I talk, I'm talking to us generally right now about each one of us being honest and being immediate. And I want you to think of all your interactions in the last week with your children and with your spouses, but particularly as it relates to the authority you have over your children. When they sin, did you call them to honestly immediately and to confession? Or did you say, tell them to do something and then they didn't respond? And you let it go. And then you said it again and they didn't respond. And you let it go. You were teaching them a very poor, sinful pattern of not dealing with sin Honestly and immediately. Now, to the point I made earlier, don't be harsh. Don't blame them for your reaction. But do it in a loving way, just like our Heavenly Father does to us. He calls us, He disciplines us, but He calls us to repentance. When Adam and Eve, we talked about this one, we were talking about being created for worship. When Adam and Eve sinned, the Lord was came there, and of course He was already there, but He came there in His specific presence, And he called them to repentance right away. What have you done? And what did Adam do? Blamed God and that woman. He didn't repent. He didn't repent. Don't do this. Call your children to immediate, honest behavior. Pray with them. Teach them how to repent when they sin. When we live the daily repentant life, God blesses us. But if sin brings death, if sin is an assassin to kill you and to put you in exile to God, we need to make sure that we have gotten all the sin and even the roots of our sin. We must cry out to God and say, My God, search me. When we come together on Sunday, the Lord's Day, together, 
we need to ask ourselves, did I get it all? Psalm 139 says this, verse 23, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties, and see if there is any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way of everlasting. Sin is like a cancer. We need to take time before God as his covenant people to confess our sin and look to Jesus to cover our sin. We must come to grips knowing that our sin impacts each other and even the greater culture. We must confess our sin and ask, did we get all of it? We need to be honest with God daily and weekly. Too often, we minimize our sin and do not take it seriously. We don't consider it to be that assassin that's out to kill us. We don't take time and look at the patterns that we have developed in our lives. When we come in here and make our confession each week, and we do this together, we need to consider those patterns and ask God to search us and reveal the roots of our sin, those patterns and habits and excuses that we try to cover our sin with. Be honest and call your sin what God calls it. I recently came across a, a textbook in the Christian education world, and it, it had several really odd things. It talked about a young man going to unsavory websites. Are you kidding me? This is a Christian textbook that talked about a young man going to unsavory websites. That makes it sound like, well, it just didn't taste good. No, those are sinful websites. Porn is sinful. We need to call it what it is and call it the sin that it is. We need to agree with what God says about our sin and then call upon his mercy through Jesus Christ to forgive us. If you do not, you try to cover your own sin, and you will not prosper. Remember Proverbs 28:13, he who covers his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will what? Have his mercy. Don't fight it. You know, sometimes if you're new to to, to this kind of church or maybe you've been in it even a long time, you might wonder about the congregational confession. We read it, and we pray the confession. And sometimes we say, I haven't committed these sins. But we forget that our sin together is God's people's sin as one people, as a congregation. We need to understand our shared sin and that it is all around us. We confess our sins and the sins of our nation. We need to make intercession for ourselves. And when I say ourselves, I don't mean that as in you, us, the church, ourselves as the church, and for the world. You know, we can look at, at uh, Daniel. In, in Daniel chapter 9, the prophet Daniel, okay, He's reading God's word, so this is a response to God's word. He sees that the time for God's judgment of exile was coming to a close. And by the way, Daniel 
who God himself declared as one of the three most holy men in the Old Testament, that's Ezekiel 14, recognizes that he too must confess his sin and his people's sin. Daniel chapter 9, beginning of verse 3, says this, I will set my face toward the Lord God to make, to make requests by prayer and supplication, with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And I prayed to Yahweh my God, and made confession, and said, O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments, we have sinned. Notice what he said. We have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled, even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. Neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes, to our fathers and all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but to us, shame of face. As it is this day to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, all Israel, those near and those far off, in all the countries which you have driven them, because of the unfaithfulness which they have committed against you. Did you hear that? Again, Ezekiel calls, God calls in Ezekiel, Daniel, one of the three most holy men. And in this, Daniel is confessing sins that, that we could arguably say, we can't see in the text that he committed these sins. And he's confessing them. And he's confessing the sins of his leadership, the kings. He's confessing the, the sins of his fathers. He's confessing all of the people's sin. In verse 16 he says, O Lord, according to all your righteousness, I pray, let your anger and fury be turned away from the city of Jerusalem, your holy mountain, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem, your people are a reproach to all those around us. Daniel is confessing the sins of his collective fathers and those of the sanctuary city because their sin became a reproach to the nations. The church's sin can be a reproach to all of those around us. The church unrepentant breaks the third commandment by taking God's name in vain, that is, in an empty and worthless fashion. We often cause the name of God to be profaned. We can see that in Ezekiel 36. We too must confess the collective sin so that we may collectively enter by ascending into his presence. In Daniel 9, verse 17, it says this, Now, therefore, our God, hear the prayer of your servant and his supplications, and for the Lord's sake, cause your face to shine on your sanctuary, which right now is desolate. Did you hear that? He's calling out for repentance so that God's face, the personal part of God, may once again be with the people in worship. Verse 19 says this, O Lord, hear, O Lord, forgive, O Lord, listen and act. Do not delay for your own sake. My God, for, the, for your city and for your people are called by your name. So when we confess our sins, both individually and collectively as the people of God, it is for restoration of God's people 
to come into his presence so that we may receive his gifts and be in his presence, that his face may actually shine upon us. For whose sake? For his own sake, that God may be praised. For his city, that represents his sanctuary. And for all the people that are called by his name. Finally, we need to confess our sins so that we can rest in God's forgiveness. God is in the business of forgiving sin so we can be cleansed and reconciled to his very presence for Jesus' sake. In our Isaiah text, God speaks in verse 18, saying, "Excuse me, Come now and let us reason together, says Yahweh. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are like red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Think about this now. God Almighty calls us to reason and to tell us that our sins are covered by his work of mercy through Jesus and in no other way. Don't try to pay for your own sins. You cannot cover them. Confess and trust God for your forgiveness, not of your works, but for Jesus' sake. Remember, God is the one who calls you, Romans 8 and Ephesians 1. And he calls us not because of our works, for we are sinners and unable to save ourselves, 2 Timothy 1. He enables us to believe by giving us a new heart and a new spirit, Ezekiel 36 and 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Remember what God's word says, that no one can bring a charge against the elect. Only Christ Jesus can do that. When we come to Lord's Day worship, we must acknowledge what it says in 1 John 1.8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Kids, look up this way. Listen to me now. God's word says this. If you say, if we, all of us, say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. When we come into God's house, we have sin. You know, verse 10 reinforces this of 1 John. It says this, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. If we come into God's house, if we come into his presence, and we think, oh, this, this, this prayer confession doesn't apply to me, if we say we haven't sinned, we are calling God himself a liar. And his word is not in us. The good news, though, is that between verses 8 and 10 is verse 9. Let us hear this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We can confess our sins before our loving Father. And he will be faithful and just and forgive us for Jesus' sake. So let us honestly, humbly, and joyfully hear our God's call to his presence each week and confess our sins. And God will forgive us. And we shall ascend into his presence and receive the gifts of his word and feast at his table in peace. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, 
We give you thanks for your faithfulness and mercy that you bring us. Grant us, we pray, for honesty before you. Reveal our sins daily as well to all your people. May we rely strictly on your Son, Jesus Christ, our only Savior, who alone covers our sin through his righteousness and sacrifice. Search us and show us our sin that we may confess our sin and be forgiven and reconciled to you. We ask these things for Jesus' sake, who reigns with you and the Holy Spirit forever and ever. Amen.